As a seeker, sometimes you feel like you're flying blind. You can't necessarily see the path that you're on. And then all of a sudden the fog clears, you look out, and you're on the precipice high up the mountain, much farther than you thought you were. You look down and it's petrifying because you've ascended so much. You recognize that when you connect with certain spirits, the goal is to not look down, but to keep going. I've done almost 2,000 interviews on my program with all different types of healers who provide a multi-sensory and non-Western pedagogy in their practices. Their stories help to complete that circle of artistic authenticity which we all strive for. The cats I've interviewed have been making a living on the bandstand for decades. They have dealt with good leadership and bad. They have come to different understandings of what love is. They have overcome a lot of adversity in their lives, and they are adept at playing all musics. <clears throat> in society today, a lot of people perceive music as a musician's gift to the world. So you have this malarkey out there, quote, oh, you can pay to play or you can play for the door. In contrast, my elders lived music as a profession and there were places to sit in. Cats could get loose on the bandstand at Slugs with Charles Tolliver or Jimmy and Tootie Heath. Late shows with Woody Shaw long before our mothers cried with Sonny Fortune. I'm all in for the musicians as we slowly move forward after a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic. Spiritual live music is a healing force that can bridge humanity's gaps by touching hearts and souls. Every time I've gone to a concert in the last couple of years, I have brought that voltage to the bandstand from minute one because I want the cats to get out of their thinking mind. You get that crowd activation, and the next thing you know, through that intensity, you're getting the musicians off. That's a spiritual experience, raising the collective consciousness. The cats then revitalize my spirit and get the creative juices flowing again so I can let the body dance. Royal Massat, welcome to the Jake Feinberg Show. So good to be on, man. And that was absolutely beautiful and profound to hear. Well, I love that. Well, thank you, my brother. You know, I wanted to just talk to you for a minute. You know, I've done a couple interviews with uh, John Densmore, you know, the drummer from The Doors. Yeah. He okay. talked He talked about uh, Jim Morrison. Basically, Jim was like, you know, I don't know how to write a song, so we're all going to get uh, publishing credits on these songs. And, you know, I'm not going to, you know, you know, sell, we're not going to sell out and we're all going to do it together. And as a result, it was just very inspiring for guys like Krieger, Manzarek and Johnny, because I mean, it was, even though J you could say people were coming because of Jim as the front man, he never got carried away with, um, taking it all for himself. And I just kind of, you know, being that you're part of uh, this sort of newfound contingent that's, I mean, it's not new, but I mean, definitely a, a healthy, you have a healthy touring experience with Billy Strings and, um, sure. you know, and I just wonder if you could talk a little bit about how inclusive and how much he tries to share with you guys in order to make everybody feel part of the collective unit. Yeah, totally. That That's an interesting um, kind of observation about the doors too because i do feel um i sense kind of some similarities for sure with my situation with billy um it's interesting because hmm. you know as it it's it's technically called you know billy strings and it is definitely his artistic vision and he's the one who's carrying us and um you know leading us into battle and <laughs> and and you know yeah. showing us kind of where to go in so many ways 
But on the other hand, I do feel a lot of trust from him to allow us to kind of have creative input in ways that I find is really important. Um, I feel like he really, in a cool way, acknowledges that while this thing is, you know, has been created by him and he makes the big decisions, he also really acknowledges our important role in it as well, being, you know, all of us being super creative people who find it important to be part of uh, something that we can actually, like, have some say in, especially musically, you know? Um, and I, man, it's it's interesting, like, I've been playing with Billy now for, it's been almost exactly six years, I guess, um, since early 2017. And that's that's a pretty long time to be doing doing something. It really know? is. It really is, yeah, totally. And it's, it's definitely the longest that I've... Um, played with the same, you know, collective of dudes um, since growing up as the child in a family bluegrass band. And that was something that I did for many years because that was a big part of my childhood. But since then, um, I've had some really cool experiences. But for the most part, it's only lasted maybe, you know, several months up to, you know, maybe a little over a year. And then it just kind of naturally in a in a positive and healthy way, but it naturally just kind of would shift and I would, you know, find myself looking for something else and or needing to find something else to do. Sure. So it's a really interesting thing to be. Can you, I want to, I want to, I want, I want you to just riff on this is that what, can you give an example of something that, um, even if, you know, cause like, I mean, I remember like, uh, with going back to, to the Densmore interviews, you know, like, uh, you know, Chrysler, one of these car companies came and they wanted to, you know, use light my fire or something. And Jim's like, are you kidding me? We're not selling this stuff. Like, you know, like, come on, man. Like, I'm not going to sell this out to the, to the deodorant company for a commercial or a jingle. Right. <laughs> and, um, you know, you know, I, you know, not so much. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, budgets are what they are, but can you give an example of sort of the creative control that, uh, an example of that, that has allowed you to feel and uh, feel liberated and enough so that you've stuck around for over six, you know, six years. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say probably the, the largest component that just, I immediately think of, and this is what really, um, in the first place really attracted me to Billy when I first saw a couple videos of his and could kind of sense this dynamic happening really strongly with his playing and, and his intention musically hmm. is, the the trust to allow you know a song to be what the song is and then as soon as we get into certain parts of that song and choose to open it up say into kind of more of a jam setting there's absolutely no level of um kind of really dictating i love this dude i freaking love it um, you know control what how we interact in that way and it allows it immediately made me feel like i could pretty much play whatever the hell I want. Um, and I would be trusted to do so because he trusts my musicality. Um, and I, I think that, that was something I was looking for in a gig was, was just looking for being able to have a really deep, honest conversation musically on stage where there's trust there that what I'm saying will be appropriate 
and will enhance the music and there's no level of like man you need to like follow this kind of right you get like eight bars and then wrap it up kind of thing yeah you can take as many bars as you want yeah totally and um man it, it what that has allowed is it's just made everything feel so much more interesting and and it's allowed me to really not feel stagnant at all playing all of this music for now over six years you know to the point where, um, I mean, I've played gigs before where we had kind of a similar set list or just maybe had, you know, most of the songs would be performed in the same way. And that does not take too long to really kind of start getting a little tedious. Absolutely. It inevitably does. You yes, know? absolutely. And, um, well, that's what I wanted to ask you about is like, it, it, to me, like, <clears throat> I just wonder... As objectively and and honestly as you can talk about, because you guys are like playing uh, larger and larger venues um, to more and more people. I mean, as you become more quote unquote popular, do you how do you avoid falling into a formula trip? Because I mean, the only like there were there were so many there were a lot of bands, not a, a lot, but there were a couple. Obviously, Front of Lobe, like you know, the Grateful Dead, that you know they threw the, the set list you know maybe they had a set list maybe they didn't they had such passionate fans who wanted them to go over the edge and go off the rails and come back on but in this time that we live in it seems like the more popular you get the more constrained you get creatively because you have to put it into a formula trip because people are paying good money to see the stuff they want to see the or they want to hear the songs the way they're played can you talk about how you guys have been able to stay elastic, or if that might be the wrong word, but just keep stretching. Great word. Yeah. Without 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 getting into a formula trip, because you're still you're growing, you know, and that means in this day and age, that means constriction. Totally. Yeah, it, it's interesting because I have I've sensed, um, man, it's it's been a crazy ride. I mean, like right before the pandemic, you know, we're playing smaller theaters you know um kind of theaters on the smaller side of things mm-hmm. and you know then just a couple of weeks ago we played bridgestone arena in nashville which living in nashville that's a venue that you see you know all the huge pop acts come through exactly and i just would have never even considered <laughs> that being an op- a possibility you know even in the realm mm. of possibility so but it's interesting because as that growth has happened um I can sense just even from my role that there are, you know, pressures in a way to start adhering more to a certain formula and kind of being like, man, like as this thing gets bigger, as there's more people from more diverse paths, you know, maybe there needs to be this level of kind of keeping things on a certain rail that more people can, you know, get on board with. Exactly. But but I, what I appreciate is I feel like, I can sense that Billy's spirit um, really kind of bucks at the the idea of having to shape this into anything that it isn't organically and doesn't naturally want to be um, in a way that, you know, it when we were playing larger clubs or smaller clubs and we would go out and we would say, you know, get into some pretty deep kind of unknown territory <laughs> to the point where none of us know where it's going to go, where it's going to end. 
um, and we're kind of out there floating, and it's it's super exhilarating, but it's terrifying. But when you're playing that kind of stuff in smaller venues, it it feels a little less risky, maybe. Sure, just, sure. They're they're definitely like it feels like the you know what's on the line isn't quite as <laughs> as intense. Well, I mean, the, yeah, it's you don't you don't have to be. Uh... I mean, it's just, it's the idea of like, you know, playing in front of 30,000 or, or 1500, you know, it's just like you can, uh, if you, if you hit a clam, it's no big deal. It's no big deal anyway, cause nobody's going to know when you make a mistake anyway, but I, I dig what you're saying. Right. For sure. But, but it's cool because, you know, as, as we have really strived to, to keep that spirit in the same place, um, and we're, you know, we're doing this kind of same, like getting out there and really going for it and like trusting each other to just figure out how to cohesively return back to the main framework of the song and stuff. But we're doing that in, you know, a huge freaking arena. It, <laughs> it feels pretty epic and it feels, it's, it's, um, it's, it is epic. More terrifying in a way, but that is, that also just adds to the exhilarating and like rewarding aspect of it, you know? Um, like I, I know like, like the first night of Bridgestone, um, man, like I, I made the decision to at separate, take a, take a little mushroom dose just cause I was feeling real good. Wow. And, um, wow. and I, and you know, we, we all do that occasionally just try to, you know, responsibly kind of take a little, yeah, a little microdose. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, Abs- exactly, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And, um, what I ended up taking ended up being a little more macro than I expected. <laughs> And so I'm out there, you know, yeah, man, dude. in a huge arena and I'm, and we're, we're getting, we're getting weird and I'm oh. feeling super, you know, I'm getting real weird. <laughs> and at this point, like there's, there's lights on my pedal board that have become lasers right, right, um, right. And shooting out and I'm going, man, whoa. And I feel like that to me was almost like an example of like a, a heightened level of just even when we're doing it, you know, without any influence of psychedelics whatsoever, it totally, it, it just amplified those feelings of we're really taking a trip right now, man. Like this is, this is, we're going on an adventure. Hopefully like we're, you know, 10 minutes into this jam and hopefully it's telling a story that people are on board with and are actually following along and identifying with. And what's cool is, Man, like just the feedback that I've seen about as the shows get bigger and bigger, it it seems like people really do, they connect with our desire to not kind of simplify things or make things safer in any way, you know, like it, it, it's a really cool thing to see people from, you know, all different walks of life too. people that have never really even gotten into bluegrass come to shows and be like this, this is you know, I, I love bluegrass all of a sudden. And then, and then I see that they're discovering other bluegrass artists that are absolutely incredible through this whole thing, which is just, you know, it's a dream to be able to do it like that. Well, yeah, I mean, you're Royal Mossad already on fire on the Jake Feinberg show. I, 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 uh, do you guys, I have to, I mean, I haven't really done a, a deep dive, but I, do, do you guys play with a trap drummer or is there, is it, are you the rhythm, are you the, the timekeeper? So, so yeah, no, no percussion um, at all. Beautiful. Just, 
what we create with the acoustic instruments and that um man it's it's definitely it it can feel like um a lot of just a lot of pressure maybe at times being the upright bass um because what what my role is is you know basically the kick drum and more and then jared our mandolin player he's you know he's the complement to that with his chop um really giving it that percussive you know kind of snare feel but it's interesting because as we play these bigger and bigger venues we've all even we've you know verbally discussed even how not having a drummer kind of it, it can feel a little intimidating to to get into bigger and bigger places without that kind of bedrock um well i was just that was my question is is it, i mean i know you you know bridgestone arena you're coming up. I'm, I'm in Tucson. You're coming to Phoenix in May, playing a yeah. more of a theater, but but still, can you talk? Because it's a Herculean effort. I mean, John Kahn, uh <coughs> in Olden in the way. I mean, there was no trap drummer, uh, but they weren't playing the the arenas that the the, the Dead were playing. And and to right. me, like I am curious about, and even Grisman now, who's a dear friend. I mean. You know, he doesn't use a trap drummer on these gigs, but, you know, he's playing definitely more intimate venues. How, I've often talked to a lot of the cats about this too, is just how do you try to generate sonic expansion through uh, soul? In the sense that, like, I mean, because you don't want to overplay, that that would take away from the dynamics of the music. This is a very delicate balance. I'd love you to talk about how you try to hear yourself and sonically expand in a larger venue. Yeah, I, man, I love that question. That's so good. So, um, you know, through we, we play quite a variety of, of songs. You know, some songs we'll play will kind of just be straight up bluegrass to the extent of, you know, we play it not far off from the way the Stanley Brothers play it. Right. And in that kind of setting, I keep my role a little more reserved. I try to adhere to more of just kind of what a bluegrass bass is in, in bluegrass music for the most part. While, while maybe, you know, kind of branching out slightly, I try to keep it kind of in the confines of that because that's what works with the music. Um, but then if we're, say we're playing, you know, a kind of bluegrassy song and and all of a sudden, halfway through, it just the bottom falls out, and it's an open-ended jam. That all of a sudden, this needs to groove. We need to see people dancing out there because that's what they want. Absolutely, they want to be able to feel the ability to start dancing with the music and just physically feel what we're feeling, you know. And that's something that I think has been kind of the most exciting thing for me in this gig is that's given me the opportunity to branch out and not feel like I am being confined to the limits of being a bluegrass bass player. All of a sudden, it kind of makes me feel like I have the role of not only creating like, hopefully like a good kind of melodic baseline um, foundation, but I'm also having to kind of create percussive ideas that are interesting enough to keep the music bouncing and solo like easier to solo over you know for the other guys and i've found um i found certain things that really seem to work i've i've really enjoyed kind of listening to so many different types of music like for instance 
I really love certain types of electronic dance music. And I found wow. that listening to some of that stuff has really been informative to me to how I can kind of take that influence and stick it in this situation because there's so much depth and real, you know, deep, deep shit going on in, in all, in any type of, you know, dance music. So when I take those kind of ideas and listen to it a lot to the point where I'm just kind of able to feel that and try to create baselines off of that and ideas off of that, I feel like that's really made a big difference for me being able to incorporate that into this music is listening to, to, to all the types of music that I find that are really, really super, super groovy, super danceable. Um, what, 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 like, I'm, this is fascinating because I just, I, I just remember talking to Rick Murata, the great drummer, and he was like listening to, uh, he heard somebody, he heard something in the other room and he's like, that's gotta be a machine. And he went in and it was some human being playing machine parts. And uh, yeah. like in EDM music, like, again, it's not really my bag. I've certainly been exposed to it. Um, but like, how do you, uh, get, make sure that you're not becoming, uh, that music is very quantized. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's just very up and Absolutely up and is. down yeah. and your music yeah. is more round. So how do you take that right. synthetic music and make it round? Because that's, I, I, you know, the hard, I mean, it, it's all music to me, but, um, that's one of the issues I have with that pulsating EDM music is that it's just too quantized. It, I can't totally. dance to that, you know? So how, I know you obviously process it in your own way. And I'm curious about how you make it round. For sure. So I think one thing that, um, is a limitation that is a good limitation is my instrument itself. Right. An upright bass, regardless of how you manipulate it with your hands and play it, it is never going to lose at least a certain aspect of that roundness. It will always be there. Right. You'll never, you know, you, you will never be able to turn the, the feel of an upright bass into like an 808 machine. You know? <laughs> there's, there's Absolutely not. I, I dig. I dig. So, so what I, yeah, so what I like about that is I feel like I can, I can try to think of kind of more almost quantized like beats and grooves and play that on my upright bass. And it's still actually, while if, if say we were playing, say we use tracks, which we don't, but say we did have tracks and there was like a, an eight, you know, an 808, like kind of dance style beat going, that would probably feel pretty weird. You know, if we're playing along with that. Right. But when I'm doing it on an up on a woody, you know, a big old woody, super resonant, um, at times wants the feedback instrument. Um, <laughs> and I'm playing these kind of maybe trying to be influenced more by those kind of quantized ideas. I feel like it translates in a way that really works because it's kind of taking ideas, but it, it's putting it through a filter that makes it totally palatable with that kind of music, you know? It's phenomenal. I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's, and you're riffing on it effortlessly. I don't think it's, it's not, it's definitely, uh, you know, it, it, you, maybe you make it look easy. It's definitely not easy. I, you know, I, I, uh, 
I mean, have you, being that you grew up in a family band, a bluegrass band, I mean, can you talk about the experiences you've had um, playing with a trap drummer? I remember, because for Grisman, for so long, he, he didn't have one. And then after a while, he, you know, he was looking to make a little bit more dough. And so he, he decided, well, he, he did a couple of things. He recorded with Ray Brown and Shelly Mann, which is, I mean, that's as good as you can get. And then, and then eventually, actually, Hal Blaine went on the road with him. So it was an adjustment for him to, you know, he, he figured it out. I just wonder what, you, what it's like for you because, you know, to me, um, there's just something so beautiful about, um, and not even in the bluegrass setting, but j- just the idea that when you're in a group where everybody has their own inner time feel and then the rhythm section assuming it's piano based drums, uh, can really open up and play melodically and become part of the conversation. Have you had those yeah. experiences in your career? Um, sorry, what was the last thing you said? I just want to know if you could talk about an experience of playing with a trap drummer, playing in a oh, melodic okay. setting um, like that. For sure. So absolutely. So, you know, growing up in a family bluegrass band, we didn't have a drummer and, um, I really didn't have much, experience with drums um playing with drums kind of my entire childhood for the most part and then when the family band disbanded um i kind of didn't really feel much of a desire to pursue music for a little while in my teens Hmm. and then kind of later on after high school i realized like man i I really miss playing music so got back into it that's kind of when i started playing up electric bass for the first time but i still really hadn't played with a drummer before and um, had a couple bluegrass gigs in my early 20s. Um, and then kind of out of the blue, um, in 2015, um, some guys that I was playing with, we got an offer from Warren Haynes to go out with him on the road <laughs> and um, tour with him extensively for his Ashes and Dust, kind of more Americana album that he released. Sure. And um, so I have all this material and this is going to be, you know, full band, drums and everything. And then I find out who the drummer is going to be, and the drummer is Jeff Seip. Oh, my and, dude, one of my dearest friends, man. I love oh, him, man. man. Truly. A, a like the most hu- beautiful Buddha cat ever, man. Truly, man. Yeah, man. Of ep- epic proportions. Epically classic. For sure. Oh, my God. And, um, and as, I, as I delve into, you know, looking into both of these guys' careers, I really start to realize that, um, man, like I've just been recruited into the fucking big leagues, man. <laughs> you know, like, like this is a whole, a whole new arena here. Um, and I, I feel almost thankful in a way that I didn't have a full grasp of just how heady and how deep their mu- their music, both of their musicality was, because I probably would have been in way intimidated i agree man i think sometimes you go in with less knowledge and you're and you don't what you don't know it it can't hurt you you know like you're more innocent you know less less preconceived notions it's it's absolutely beneficial so i ended up um touring with them for over a year um we did a couple european tours did a bunch of u.s touring and man that was my first real experience really locking in with a drummer really figuring out how to compliment. And it was interesting because I did find myself kind of immediately realizing like, oh, 
I need to be careful to not overplay because I don't need to anymore. This isn't a bluegrass setting. I don't need to be constantly keeping the beat going. That's right. That's not my role anymore. Uh. That's not my responsibility. Um, all of a sudden now, my responsibility is to figure out how to lock in with this beast of a drummer and basically complement what he's laying down now, you know? Um, and I, I mean, that... Looking back now, I, I find that whole experience um, just definitely probably the most formative. I mean, it also like it was like uh, Americana. I mean, there, it wasn't like you were playing like free jazz or odd odd metered music. I mean, it, it was a lot of it well, was that's, probably that's the interesting thing. Yeah. So it it was we were touring Warren's Americana album, more Ameri you know, on the Americana side of things album, but playing live we would do we would play everything we would play mule tunes we wow. did a bunch of almond bros wow. stuff wow we we would do some jazz stuff we definitely played some songs that were you know way more in the jazz realm oh that's because fantastic jazz absolutely has the chops as a drummer to pull all of that off you know mm -hmm. so it ended up being really interesting because it was a super versatile music experience where, you know, we're covering Radiohead songs even. We're, we're just doing, we're going all out there. We're doing crazy stuff. <laughs> Definitely super deep extended jams. Um, and it is through all these different realms of music where I'm just kind of getting this like front row seat to seeing the master Jeff Seib and how he interprets all this stuff. And that was definitely super eye-opening for me um, about just my appreciation for all the types of music and um also the confidence that i gained from that gig of realizing that you know if you listen to a certain type of music enough and really study it and appreciate it you can freaking play it and it's so much fun you know yeah, like, you're absolutely right you're a this is so profound i mean i you know <laughs> part of me feels like if you guys are already having discussions and with billy and the band about as you i mean it's not like you're i mean you'll you'll still fluctuate and go back and forth but you're gonna play quite a few you're you're gonna play bigger venues i mean is there is there an open-mindedness enough to say hey you know maybe we'll maybe we could get a percussionist maybe we could get a modified trap set or is that like is is there a purity thing and not in a snobbish way, but just like the idea of saying in bluegrass, you don't, you know, you don't have a trap set, you know, like, but I'm curious yeah. about where you come down because I used to, to, to be honest with you, I mean, playing Red Rocks or, I mean, I, that's just so much to put on an upright bass. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, man. Yeah. And I think, you know, if I really ever let myself kind of start to overthink it, I just have to immediately be like, man. Just I'm really sorry. I don't want you to. I'm sorry. This conversation that we're thinking about this. I, I don't. Oh, no, yeah, no, 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 I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, I know. No, I know. It's, I know. It's totally. It's just a mind game. You yeah, know, right, like totally. What it comes down to is if if I'm able to go out there and just trust that I know what to do and that my instincts aren't going to let myself overplay or underplay, it, it works out. But you, these are things that you find yourself thinking about, and when it comes down to like the purity of the music and everything there definitely is, you know, there is the school of thought pretty deeply in bluegrass of, um, drums are not really a part of it. 
but it's funny because while that is totally a thing, the father of bluegrass, bluegrass, you know, like who created bluegrass, Bill Monroe, he played with a drummer at times. He had there's songs, there's tracks that he has that have a drummer on them. Um, absolutely. So the Osborne Brothers, they had drums all over their music, and they are absolutely some of the purest bluegrass out there. So I think that the idea that the drums can't exist in the music is absolutely not true whatsoever. I do think, though, as well, that depending on how you're playing bluegrass, it can benefit from not having um, more traditional percussion, though, too. Like I would say, where we're currently at musically, I would I would venture to say just, and this is my personal opinion, but it seems to me like adding a drummer would possibly have uh, an effect on the music that might be unintended. Um, you know what I mean? Like I feel like it could change things in a way that we maybe wouldn't necessarily want them to be changed. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Um, and I think that. While, like, for a while, it was a four-piece that we had. It was just guitar, banjo, mandolin, bass. And then about a year ago, we added Alex Hargraves on fiddle and just absolutely never looked back, um, just partially because fiddle is such an important, you know, instrument in this music, and Alex himself is an incredible player, and it just fit perfectly and did nothing but enhance the music. Um, and, you know, I've, I've heard Billy talk about, you know, the idea of... If, if the music calls for it one day, I think he's open-minded to adding whatever the music would call for, whether it be drums or a keys player, you know, any mm. of that kind of stuff. Mm. I think if it, it made sense, he seems to be very open-minded about not um, closing off the idea of adding what will, will enhance, you know? But I think, um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Like, I, I kind of don't imagine like anytime too soon like a, a drummer really being something that would be appropriate I guess with what we're doing just because it's almost like we've worked so hard and, and played together for so long now as a group to kind of hone in and and create this sound that doesn't require a drummer that it would almost kind of be maybe like it wouldn't almost be fair to all of that effort we've put in to just shove that in the mix unless it was really, really kind of asking for well, it. Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, if there's an opening and it's natural, <clears throat> to me, the only thing I would say is, like, if you ever get to that point collectively where you start to feel a little bit of a burnout, then there may be an opportunity. Right. You know, what I'm saying is you don't feel that now and you've worked hard on that sound, but to me, like, some of the tunes that you're playing – with the right percussionist, uh, you know, they could, they could take on a whole new life of their own. So, that, I mean, I, I think that's just a cool thing to... Uh, I mean, at, at this point, Roma Sat's going to be swinging the band at the Hollywood Bowl, though. You know, <laughs> you're going to be doing... I mean, it's just unbelievable, dude. You know, I, but, yeah. I, I think you're right, though. I think that there absolutely is, like, the aspect of, at some point, if, if it makes sense that... Uh, that drums would not only enhance the music, but also maybe take a little bit of, you know, the pressure off and, and just make this um, have more longevity or anything, then yes, I think that there's no reason why, like, there, there should absolutely not be an egotistical view of like, 
well, no, like we don't need drums, you know? Absolutely. Like, I mean, you're going to know if when the time, I mean, it, it, you'll all know when it, that is the right time, but that is not, not and now. You know, we, we have had, we have had some, I mean, incredible experiences just, you know, kind of recently even having drums as a sit-in wow. thing though. Like, wow. so, um, Dwayne trucks, which man, yeah. absolutely love his playing. Yeah. He comes, he comes from a very similar school as, as Jeff, you know, um, because he, like his biggest mentor was Colonel Bruce, just like Jeff side. Um, as I've hung out with him and heard him talk about Oh my about, God, the legend Bruce, uh, Colonel Hampton again, ra- rising from the ashes, dude. Unbelievable. Man. Unbelievable. Man. He, he is everywhere. <laughs> Sh- shaman, shaman cat, no doubt. Man, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so Dwayne, he came out um, for one of the nights of our three-night run in Asheville for Halloween and played the whole night. Played first set, second set. Wow. Had his drum kit set up and played... And it absolutely worked, and it was a pretty transcendent experience. Are there recordings um, of that out there? I'd love to hear that. I think I think the, the recording that there probably is is probably on Nugs.net. Okay, yeah, that, that is fantastic. That is fantastic. It's, it's definitely on there. And he even, when we played Athens, Georgia, um, played the, the Georgia Theater just a, couple, a few weeks ago, um, that's kind of his old stopping grounds, too. So he came out and sat in for a few songs on kind of a stripped down kit for that and it was great too um but i think the thing about what made that work so well in a way was first of all he is just absolutely such a heady musician <laughs> that he knew exactly how to fit in exactly absolutely he's a pro yeah totally dude complete pro yeah. and it really did like you said you know certain songs and stuff there were certain songs that 100% were enhanced by that and that even now when I play those certain songs I kind of try to envision him playing along with us and I try to play it with that spirit because it was so good you know but I, I do think that even with that there is a level though of it was it was so good because it was the exception though too you know um as opposed to it being a full-time thing. I think it was partially so special because we don't do it that often. So having, you know, one whole show with drums was incredible. But then it, it also did feel good to get back to kind of the regularly scheduled program. <laughs> you know? Royal, I got to ask you, the, the, uh, I just, uh, my uh, younger daughter's school is calling me right now. I'm not sure why. I, I, we have so much more to get to. Can we, what is your schedule like today? Or can we continue? We have to continue. We're burning ahead, dude. Oh man, this is awesome. Yeah. This is so much fun. Do, do you have, do you, I mean, I'm so sorry, but do you have, do you have, what's your schedule like today or tomorrow? Um, I have a little more time today and then I got to head to the venue, um, around, I'm, I'm on the, I'm on the East coast. So what time you, what around. time, what time do you have till? I have, I probably have till, um, I probably have like another hour twenty. All right, so just hour, you, you, what about what about the rest of the week? Is anything open for you, like Thursday, or, or are you? I could hmm, let's see. I could maybe find some time tomorrow, possibly. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, do you want to try to do? Um, <clears throat> it's a, the morning's a little bit of a wash. Do you have any time in the afternoon tomorrow? I might have some time in the afternoon tomorrow. 
Um, and hey, just to let you know, if, if things do get crazy, I'll be getting back home on Sunday, and then next week I have really free too, which I would be totally down to. All right, so why don't we just do that? And also, I mean, we'll, why don't we – I'll get this, this first little mini set up, and then we'll, we'll, do, we'll do set two. Also, I would love to come up and do an interview with you in Phoenix before that gig. I'm flying out the next day. Right on. Uh, uh, but I would love to come up and – you know, do a video interview with you uh, before the gig. Man, I've never seen you guys, and and uh, and I looked at the schedule. I'm like, you got to be kidding me! They're coming up to Phoenix, and, the, and I'm. Oh, that's great! Yeah, man, I man. love that. I'm, I'm so glad you're coming out. Absolutely, man. So yeah, we got a lot to do, man. And this was just like cool. a little appetizer, but man, it was yeah, it's freaking great. And and we'll uh we'll we'll shoot for next week. Well, man, love talking with you too, man. You're you're a you're a really intelligent, awesome dude. Yeah, Maylander is uh, you and Maylander, man. You guys give me hope for the future, man. Seriously, dude, dude. He, he is my best friend. And no, honestly, dude, you guys are the like the. I mean, he not only is he just such a sweet, beautiful cat. I mean, like, I just he blew me away with Hornsby, dude. You guys are like, you know, it, to me, like the epitome of just like great musicians, better human beings. You know, that's really what it's uh-huh. about, man. That means a lot, man. Seriously. Keep your head up. Keep it on. Go, keep it going, and uh, we'll be in touch, brother. That sounds great. And hey, just to let you know about the Phoenix show. Yeah. If you need more tickets or anything for homies, I'd be happy to help out. So just let me know. Absolutely. Yeah, we're I'm, we're 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 gonna be blowing. I'm coming up there. It's gonna be a Royal Massad Fest that night, dude. We're gonna be blowing <laughs> that out, dude. Love it. Yeah, dude. man. Love it. All right, man. Be cool, brother. Okay. Talk to you soon, you, man. All right. Definitely. Peace. Bye. Yeah.